0: Amen. I'll be ministering today from Luke chapter 19, uh, verse 41 and 42, if you want to turn there and just kind of keep your finger there. Um, The other day, we we were getting ready to leave for the airport to make our journey back to to Riverside. And uh, one thing I've learned over the last couple of years now is that, uh, number one, Traveling with a pregnant woman changes things. Uh, Traveling with a toddler changes everything, okay? Traveling with two, my God. That's a whole nother level of grace, sanctification, realizing that you may have lost your salvation during the the baggage check, And so when we, when we went out to, um, uh, to Michigan, it was like, wow, we were not prepared. We, we packed our entire house, it seemed like. Um, uh, we got to the, uh, to the uh, check-in counter, and they're like, are all these your bags, sir? I was like, yes. And they kind of looked at me like, okay. <laughs> and I've become that type of traveler now. But on our way back, I was like, you know what? We need to, to organize ourselves. We need to give ourselves enough time to get to the airport so that everything runs smoothly. We've got to return the rental car. It's going to be cold. We've got to think about the kids. I've got to think about how I drop you off, then take the rental car back. And, and so I told Pauline, I was like, Pauline, we have to be very mindful about how we organize ourselves, and maybe we should leave some things behind. We don't really need a pack and play back at home. We can go to Walmart for that, Amen or Revive Resale Boutique. They might have it there. And she says, no, we need to take it. We need to take it. I was like, all right, cool. We got to take it. So the morning of, I received a phone call from a childhood, oh, not a childhood, a college friend of mine who I hadn't seen in over 10 years. He says, hey, I heard that you're in town. I'm coming to visit you. And I was like, oh my God, complication number one, our timeline has exponentially exploded right in front of my face. So they come over and I'm looking at the clock like, you guys have 10 minutes to tell me how much you love me and then leave. And they bring their kids. So Zion is chasing their kid around. I'm like, oh my gosh, this, what should have been 10 minutes now has taken 45 minutes. And so you do the math parents, you know what I'm talking about. Everything is changed. And then we also had a quick little photo shoot with a childhood friend of mine who's a photographer. And so he came over what was supposed to take an hour. He did in 20 minutes. So I was like, Praise the Lord. We've bought some time. But things just got delayed and delayed. And then there's a the long goodbye. You guys know about the long goodbye. No, y'all ain't African. There's a long <laughs> goodbye when you're dealing with African parents. Oh, Jonah, we are going to miss you. Come, let us pray. And I've got one of those mothers that don't give like, you know, a short little, God, bless my children, send them on their way, blessed in the city, blessed in the field, Amen. I've got one of those moms who's like, and Lord be with his feet. May they walk in your path, the path of righteousness, Jesus. And you're looking at your your watch like, okay, I think the Lord already knows what you want to pray about. Kevin and Nikki left us because they had a different rental car. So they, t- they get a 10 minute head start and I'm looking at them drive off and I'm looking at Paulina, I'm like, you woman, why can't you just be organized like the, like the Bagingo family? <laughs> we are so late right now. And, and so at this point, my day is messed up. I am completely jacked out of my mind, I'm upset. I get in the car and I adjust the rearview mirror so that she can't see me and I can't see her. Married people know what I'm talking about because if you you see each other, you make eye contact. It's like, (laughs) I adjusted it. I was like, I am not going to lose my my testimony over this. (laughs) I adjust my, and so we get on the freeway as we're getting on the freeway, as we're getting on the freeway, Pauline is like, she's in the backseat with with the baby, right? And so she's like, Jonah, and I'm like, backseat driver. Yes. Pray for that man. His wife is in the building too. <laughs> and I'm like, what? She's like, there's a truck. This huge semi is running me off the road. So now I'm like on the, um, uh, on the uh, whatever you call that, the bank. And I'm like on the, uh, getting on, off the on-ramp. And I'm like, what the heck is, I didn't say what the heck. I said, what the heck for the Christians here is happening right now? I've got a wife who doesn't make sense. I've got kids that need Jesus. They're not saved yet. And I've got this trucker that wants to send me to Jesus. And so I'm like, I'm losing my mind. I'm like, what is going on with this day? I I, I let the truck pass. I get around him and I start passing him. He rolls down his, it's cold. It's like 20 degrees. He rolls down his window and is waving at me saying, sorry, not. He's flicking me off he was going to kill me and so I'm like th- this is not working out as I've got kids in the room in the car so I cannot say what I want to say to him you know or the Holy Spirit is blocking that part I'm losing my mind we we, we drove we literally drove to the airport without talking Paul he knows what I'm talking I'm just kind of like yeah you just be on your phone you look at Facebook just keep my eye on the road we get to the airport and it's, it's chaos. It's traffic in Chicago, all kinds of things. I'm jacked out of my mind. I'm like, this day is the day from hell. As I take the car to the car rental place, there's like 50 cars all trying to get in. Frustration, frustration meter is going nuts. And then there's no attendant to come and check us out. So I just left the car, <laughs> left the keys in there. I'm like... I'm out, I got to catch a flight, send me my receipt, I'll, I have, I'll I have a credit card and I'll watch what you charge me, I left the car there, got on the shuttle bus back, as I'm on the shuttle bus, kind of, you know, getting my composure back, like, Lord, I've got I've to gotta love my wife as Christ has loved the church, and you never said a mumbling word when you were dealing with us, so I've got to just keep it together. I receive a text message saying, where are you? I write back, I'm in, I'm in Chicago. Praise God, you're safe. Where's Pauline? She's with me. So she's not in Loma Linda or San Bernardino. No. I'm like, why do you ask? said, so there's an active shooter and they don't know if they've caught this person. And all of a sudden, what had broken up my day did not matter anymore. All of a sudden, all the things that were frustrating and and tripping me out, making me lose it all, no longer mattered. Damien, Yvette, Benetta, Sierra, Larry, Harry, 10 Isaac woke up that same day not knowing that their goodbye wasn't just for that day. Those names have been names that I've been thinking about since they revealed them and and, and it's broken My heart and our our city, our region has been broken because in that building, at least three people who are connected to our church work in that building. At least one individual who's, who's on our team, our leadership team was headed to that building that morning. My wife's co-worker's best friend was lost as a result of that massacre. Every one of us has been touched and and it's one thing when you hear about it in Paris. It's it's one thing when it takes place in New York City or Oklahoma but when it happens in your backyard, no, no, no. When it happens in your own living room, it hits you in a different place And, and, and what happens is that you move from being sympathetic to being broken because it has hit you right in your heart. Sympathy is not the same as being broken hearted. Sympathy is not the same as being broken hearted. And I think of Isaac, Shannon, Yvette, Aaron, Tin, Benetta, Damien, Nicholas, Larry, Robert. Think about these names, it's 14 individuals. And I wonder why, God? What's the purpose in this? My name is Jonathan, and what breaks my heart is injustice. What has broken your heart? Because if you can operate from a place of understanding what breaks your heart, God will lead you to a place of you discovering your purpose in this life. The Bible makes it very clear that we're called to be peacemakers. We're called to be peacemakers. And the thing about becoming a peacemaker is that peace begins with a broken heart. Peace begins with a broken heart. I'll, I'll develop this a little bit further. In, in the Old Testament, there's a, there's a story in, of a man named Moses. You may have heard of Moses. Moses is one of the greatest figures in the Old Testament, one of the first great Christ-like figures in, in the sense of his, his life and, and what he did for his people was, was the role of a savior and a redeemer and someone who uh, prefigured Christ before Christ came into this world. And and the the story of Moses is that Moses grew up in the palace in Egypt, grew up as one of the princes of Egypt. And in Exodus chapter 2, it tells us that one day Moses went to visit to be with his brethren, the other Hebrews, the other Jews. So here's Moses in his context, living in the palace, living as an Egyptian prince, but he knows that his people are suffering, his people are enslaved, and so he went and visited them. I wonder if he did this as a routine thing. What, what I gather from that is that up until the, the point of him uh, getting to a point of being broken, he was sympathetic to the cause of his people in that he would go and see them. But one day, he saw the violence in a different way. In that he saw an Egyptian slave master beating on on one of his brothers, his, his own kinfolk, if I will. And there was a holy discontent, a righteous indignation, a brokenness that overtook him, that he took matters into his own heart. Finally, he became broken over the plight of his people. There's another individual by the name of uh, Nehemiah, uh, and for the longest time I just thought that Nehemiah was just the shortest man in the Bible, because he was knee high. Okay, all right. (laughs) I grew up in church, so gave you a little church joke. But if you go back to, to the first chapter of Nehemiah, you, you'll find that Nehemiah is serving uh, the, the king. And, and as he's serving the king, somebody comes and gives him a report on what's happening in, in, in Jerusalem. And, and they tell him, listen, the walls are in ruins in Jerusalem. Everything is, is destroyed. It's, Jerusalem has become a shame. And, and the Bible tells us that at that moment, he began to weep. He began to mourn. He went into a, into prayer and fasting over the city of Jerusalem. Now, the thing about that is that—that's uh, curious about that whole passage—is—is is this? It's—it's it's like uh, uh, me coming to you, Harold, and saying, Harold, you—you'd you, never believe this, but Christopher Reeve, Superman, he's dead. And then, and then we start crying over it now following me it's it's it happened how many years ago 10 at least 10 years ago i uh, didn't take a little bit further it would be like us today mourning over jfk's assassination nehemiah has known for years that jerusalem has been destroyed but at this moment It strikes him in a different place. He's moved from being sympathetic, empathetic over the situation to now he is broken over the situation. Peace begins from a place of brokenness. From a place of brokenness. Uh, the, The Bible tells us that Jesus is the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. Amen, somebody. He was slain before the foundation of the world. God creates this world and he he creates mankind and, and he knows what mankind is going to do. He knows all the destruction, all the tragedy, all the hurt, all the pain that's going to take place in the story of humanity. And before the foundation of the world, he is broken and enacts a plan to redeem mankind. And out of that brokenness, He sends Jesus. I I want you to look at uh, Luke chapter 19. And really quickly, there's just a few things that I, I, I want to highlight to you. In Luke chapter 19, verse 41, tells us that, and when he drew near, speaking of Jesus, and when he drew near, he saw the city. He wept over it saying, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes. Would that you, even you, if you'd have known the things that make for peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes. The first idea is this. Text tells us that Jesus drew near. Now, in the context of the story, of or, or the narrative here, is that Jesus is going to Jerusalem in order to, to go and die a bloody death. For our sin, he, he's entering Jerusalem probably for the final time in his ministry on, on, on earth 2,000 years ago, and as he's drawing near to the city, knowing what he's going to do there, knowing what awaits him in that city, he, he sees a city, he comes near to the city, and he weeps over it. And what hit me is that, is that in in moments like what we are experiencing right now, the very first thing that God wanted me to know and wanted me to share with you is that in the middle of this chaos, in the middle of this tragedy, Jesus has drawn near. He's come near. He's not far away. A lot of people are wondering, why, God? Why is it that things like this happen? How can you be in control and yet allow these things to happen to innocent people, people who had families? People who had loved ones, people who had responsibilities, people that were in this in this city making a difference for a demographic that is often forgotten. Why God? And I'm gonna say something that's probably gonna mess up your, your Baptist Methodist Christianity. God is not in control. God is sovereign. God did not move those individuals to go and murder those innocent people. But in his sovereignty, he is doing something to redeem it all. In his sovereignty, there's still a plan. In this context right now, maybe people can look at what's happened and say, oh my gosh, we have lost. But because God is sovereign, the Bible tells me we have won. That that, that there's no period to what's happened it's just a comma because the story of redemption is still being worked out Jesus has drawn near and although he seems far away from the situation i want you to understand that he's drawn near to your situation near to your heart in your brokenness in your in your heartache in your pain Jesus is closer than ever before Jesus drew near he drew near in his sovereignty to reconcile to renew to restore he says he drew near and saw the city I, I watched various news outlets in order to get a fair balanced you know And and one thing that's very very clear about how the reporting of news takes place in our country is this the reporters don't know what they're talking about they, they, they really don't it's like what well, they, they speculate they, they 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 sometimes even inject ideas you, you, you watch it happen and you're like oh my god how did they know that And everyone's trying to, to, to bring commentary and, and ideas and, and, and to, uh, they, they call upon all these different experts and, and, and they say, well, what do you think happened? And, and people will run with the opinion of one person. I see it on Facebook. I, I've learned how to uh, determine which way that whole article is going to go based on where it says that it's coming from. Amen, somebody? If it's coming from conserv- conservative now, .com, you know where it's coming from. If it's coming from liberal, whatever, it's like, okay, it's gonna, the reporting's gonna be, it's gonna lean. So you gotta read both articles in order to come up with, with the truth somewhere. Amen, somebody? Y'all, y'all are all ticked off like pastors getting political. No, I'm not. I'm just telling the truth. I won't tell you which, which, which side I, I lean on. You'll have to read between the lines. Amen. But one thing that's very clear is that None of those who are reporting, none of the experts that are trying to uh, give us some uh, a, an understanding of what's happened and, and, and how the events have come together and unfolded really have seen the situation from a 360 fullness of it. Jesus drew near and the text says he saw the city. I believe that in, in, in how Jesus has seen our situation. He's seeing the breadth of it. He's seeing the height of it. He's seeing the depth of it. He's seeing the width of it. He understands the complexity of what causes all things and in his seeing it he also sees a solution for it he sees a way out of it I think that as he saw Jerusalem he also saw what would happen a few days later when he would die for the people he was weeping over says he drew near he saw the city and he wept over it. Now, this is one of the two times in scripture where we find Jesus weeping. You guys remember the story of, of his friend Lazarus, right? Lazarus is, is in Bethany, and, and, and Jesus is two, three days away uh, ministering somewhere else. And, and some people come and see Jesus, and they say, Jesus, the man that you love is sick. And Jesus is like, can't you see I'm busy right now? They're like, no, 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 Jesus. The man that you love, it's bad. The doctors have given him hours, days. We don't know what's going to happen. And Jesus responds in a very poetic way that every theologian tries to, you know, pick apart and say, well, he really meant this. Jesus this sickness will not lead to death. This sickness is not going to lead to death. And he delays. Now, now, in his delay, Lazarus dies. His disciples start questioning Jesus and Jesus tells them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Um, Jesus... Just a few minutes ago, you just told us that his sickness would not lead to death. And now you're telling us that he's dead. Liar, liar, pants on. This doesn't make sense. And of course, we, we, we understand that Jesus was speaking more of a, of a more eternal death and, and, and other things that are going on there. But for the sake of the story, Jesus now arrives... At the home, at, at the place where Lazarus is, and and and, and as he's arriving there, uh, Mary and, and Martha they're weeping. The people are having a funeral, and, and Jesus looks at the situation, and it says that Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible it says Jesus wept. I've often struggled with that with that passage. Um, uh, I grew up in a in a predominantly African American church, and so. Uh, I've heard people preach Jesus wept, man. Uh, White churches, and Jesus wept. He was sad. (laughs) Black churches, Jesus. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. (laughs) It becomes a good old 30-minute sermon of like, you walk out of that building knowing, hmm, he had emotion. (laughs) Jesus wept over his friend who had died. Jesus is weeping over Jerusalem. Now, now here's the thing. The mystery behind this is this. This is what really messes up my theology, messes up my understanding of God because Jesus knows what he's about to do. He knows these guys are going to be amazed. People are gonna understand that when I when I say that I'm the resurrection and the life, I really, really mean it. It's not like a a a theory, it is a a real thing. I raise dead things to life, I bring the ruins back to their glory. And and he looks at the situation knowing I'm gonna say a few words. They're gonna open up that tomb. And Lazarus is going to walk out of there. In my mind, there's no need for Jesus to weep. As a matter of fact, if if I was Jesus, I'd have walked into that situation saying, okay, guys, calm down. Calm down. Mary, shut up. Watch this. Okay? It's going to be just fine. All right? It's going to be okay. Please, musicians, quiet down. Because they had musicians, you know, funeral musicians and everything. I'd have had a, a, a role of how I'd have, I'd have worked it out because I, I'd know what's going to happen next. This is going to be a celebration, guys. But, but, but God in the flesh pauses knowing that in a few moments he's going to wake Lazarus up in a few moments the funeral is going to be cancelled in a few moments death is going to be extinguished by a matter of him declaring Lazarus come forth knowing that that in a few days he's going to die for Jerusalem and and reconcile all things to himself and, and give death a death blow in a few days Jesus stops and looks at the situation, looks at San Bernardino, looks at the people of this region and he weeps with us because he's broken over the sin that has brought this disaster to us Amen. understanding this is, has, has changed my, 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 my the way that I, I look at the various trials the, the various losses that we experience in life uh, don't you know that, that the Bible tells us that, that God knew us before we were even born It it tells us that. And if you really, really believe that, uh, what you have to understand is that when the Bible uses words like no, it's not speaking about a cognitive knowledge of, yeah, I know, I know Harold, I know Ursel, I know Kevin, I know, I know Jim, I know, I know Barry, I know, I know this individual, I know Jason. It's not speaking of like God just sat up on his throne and says, I know them, but rather it's speaking about an intimate love that he had on your life. He knew you. I'll give you scriptural reference for that. In in Genesis, it talks about how Adam knew Eve and then they had a baby. There must be something about that knowing. It speaks about an intimate love that he's placed on every individual's life that he's called and elected according to his purposes. God knows and in eternity past knew those 14 individuals. Some of us in this building have lost loved ones before, their, before it made sense for them to, to go on. And we ask God, God, why would you allow my my husband, my sister, my grandma, my my baby to to pass away? Why is it? And in all those losses, I want you to be comforted in knowing that God has been broken over the sin that would cause them to experience death. And the love that he has For each individual goes beyond a love that we can ever know or understand in of ourselves. Jesus wept for Jerusalem, wept for Lazarus, and he weeps over the events of what's happened in our region. But the pain goes beyond sympathy. It's not happening in Paris to God. Or in another city. For God, it touches him in his heart. And out of brokenness, he sends his son to come and die in our place in order to destroy the works of evil. Jesus drew near. Jesus saw the city. Jesus wept over the city. Then he makes the statement in in verse 42. He makes the statement, he says, This. He says, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. An amazing statement. If you only knew that that, that what I am doing is, is, is bringing peace into this world. And we understand after the fact, the disciples and those who were around did not get what Jesus was speaking about because they had no idea what was going to take place next. But Jesus knew, I'm coming to Jerusalem and dying on that cross, taking on the sins of the world, taking on all the injustice, taking on all the rape, all the murder. All the the pride, all the lies, all the things that have separated us, all the things that have brought hostility into this world, all the conflict, every sin that has been committed against you, all the sins that you've committed, he took that upon himself. And by dying a bloody death, he became our peace to reconcile us to him and to reconcile ourselves to each other. He became our peace. So my, 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 my fourth idea is this, or is that Jesus ha- has called us to reveal the mystery of that peace. He said that they are hidden. The peace that he's speaking about is hidden from their eyes. If I can just talk to your heart for a second, I want you to understand something about humanity and God. The truth is this God is good, we are not. There is no sliding scale that goes from, well, Mexicans are really bad. But they got good food, so we... Taco Tuesday, we'll tolerate them. And blacks, my God, they're right here. Be very careful. Hold on to your purse, ladies. I'm just talking the truth. You know, you know... And and, and middle-aged white men can't trust it. There is no sliding scale in terms of the goodness of God and the evil that we're shaped and formed in, the sinful nature of mankind. There is no sliding scale. The the Bible tells us, it says that, that you and I, in of ourselves, before God touched our lives, we were enemies of God. We were objects of wrath. We were completely separated from God. What that simply means is that God is heading in this direction and we're heading in the opposite direction. But somewhere along the way, he captured our hearts and turned us and brought us to himself. None of you came to God on your own volition. You cannot boast in any of this. There is no boast that any of us can can say, you know, I was really, really wise one day and I decided that I need to find God. And so I went to, to the Himalayas and I found him on a mountain and there he was and now I am a Christian. He finds us, he captures our hearts, he turns us around, he opens up our eyes. You you read about Paul, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, a murderer, a person who was breathing murderous threats against God and his people. And all of a sudden, Jesus knocks him out, off his horse, blinds him, and says, it is I, why are you beating me? The real truth is this, literal Jonathan Blima, San Bernardino, Riverside, Michigan, interpretation. Paul, Saul at the time, why are you insulting my wife? I mean, I mean, you can talk about me. Don't you dare talk about my wife. Because then I go through those options. Should I love them in Christ? <laughs> punch them in the throat. See, punch them in the throat, love them in Christ, pray for them for their healing. Jesus stops Paul in his tracks as he was going to Damascus to persecute his bride. It blinds him and changes his heart. None of us can boast. The peace that God brings is hidden from us until he reveals it. To us, And then once he's revealed it to us, he calls us to be ambassadors, to be the agents of peace that go and make his peace known. At that time it was hidden, but now it's been revealed to us. Amen, somebody. And because it's been revealed to us, we have a job to do, to go and make known the peace that God has accomplished on his cross. To go and allow the world to see the light. Here's the thing, guys. I, I have family. I have family members, close friends of mine who are Muslim, who, who, who do ascribe to, to Islam. And here's the thing about it. They're not bad people in of themselves. The ideology may be completely evil, but they themselves are not bad people. And so here's the thing. I can either go and insult them or I can say, you know what? I need to love you to life and share the peace of God with you. Because if I share, if I, if I shine the light that God has revealed to me, to them as an individual, all of a sudden things begin to change. And that may not be popular if you're reading certain blogs. You can't fight an ideology, but you and I can touch people. We're called draw near as Jesus drew near to those who are broken. We're called to see people through his eyes. To see our community the way he sees this community. The economists will tell you that in an empire most of its cities are bankrupt. But God sees something else. He wants to rebuild the walls as as, as Nehemiah went and rebuilt the walls and here's the thing about rebuilding the walls you cannot rebuild the walls of your life until you're broken by them until you have a broken heart over it so we're to draw near see things through Christ's eyes and to be broken the way he was broken and weep over this nation weep over this city and make it known that he has made peace by dying in our place and a resurrecting on the third day, so that we don't have to be trapped in darkness anymore. so that we may understand that we have a future and a hope. So what are we to do? What are we to do with this? As a church? God made it very clear to me that all this has done is opened up people's hearts to receiving truth, especially during this season. People are now more sensitive. There are more people seeking answers that you and I have been equipped to share. As individuals, what are we to do? Just draw near to those who are hurting. See things from God's perspective. Be broken. And reveal the peace of God. Amen? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for becoming our peace. By dying, a bloody death in our place. and resurrecting on the third day, so that you so that we don't have to live in death, but we can live in the life, the resurrected life. God, you've given us your spirit that empowers us, equips us to be agents of peace. So, Lord, I pray for a brokenness to to fill our hearts so that compassion can flow from us. We're open to you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's spend a couple moments right now just in worshiping. As you're worshiping, I ask that the spirit of God will just reveal the areas that you need to be broken over because if you're broken for something, God will give you a purpose to bring change and reconciliation to that situation let's worship